Welcome to Pensive Series. Marcus Shingles is the CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation, a nonprofit founded by Peter Diamandis. XPRIZE is the leading expert in designing and implementing innovative models that utilize gamification, crowdsourcing, incentive competitions, and exponential technologies to solve the world's grandest social challenges. Prior to XPRIZE, Marcus was a partner at Deloitte Consulting and leader of Deloitte Consulting's Innovation Group. Marcus has over 20 years of experience, and prior to his most recent roles at XPRIZE and Deloitte, he was a successful entrepreneur founding a management consulting business. Marcus has published numerous thought leadership pieces and presents regularly on technology trends, disruptive innovation, and related business and social impact strategies. In his spare time, Marcus has pioneered a program in partnership with the public school system in both LA and Boston to bring exponential entrepreneurial training and contemporary thinking to high school students in currently underserved communities. In this episode, we talk about Marcus's role as a CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation and the enormous impact it can have on society. Where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? So I um, grew up in Virginia. My father was a professor at Virginia Tech in political science. He's taught there for 45 years. He just retired. Uh, moved to Michigan. Lived in Michigan most of my life. Uh, went, to, went to school in Michigan and worked at the Kellogg Company in Battle Creek, Michigan in marketing, sales, and customer strategy. Moved to Chicago, worked at Ernst & Young Management Consulting for about five years. How did you decide to go into consulting after college? When I was at uh, the Kellogg Company, um, I started to develop and code systems and solutions to do my marketing and sales work. And the company saw that I was doing that, I was pretty tech-savvy. And so as I started to build those, they then put me in, in, in the IT department, took me out of the business and put me in IT to share with the IT people what the business people needed and help them figure out how to develop it. And around that time, the Siebel company, which is no longer, but Siebel was the creator of CRM, was just entering the market. They did a big project with Kellogg's and I was the lead on that. And the consulting market completely got into the CRM business, consulting companies on how to do sales and marketing, customer relationship management. So I parlayed from a, a job doing one of the first Siebel implementations and actually helping with a lot of the design of Siebel in their early vertical, doing consulting for companies on that same technology. Did that for a while, then I had my own business for seven years after I worked at Ernst & Young, wanted to go do a entre more entrepreneurial thing, created a management consulting firm. Um, and then I was most recently at Deloitte Consulting. I was, went in there as a partner. The reason I made that move is I was part of the tech community in Silicon Valley and the West Coast. and um, I saw this grand swell of the stuff we're talking about here. I saw this uh, explosive growth of innovation and exponential technologies and things coming online like artificial intelligence and advanced robotics and 3D printing and biotech and new, new you know, nanotechnologies, other things, and decided I, I want to go back into a big firm because I know this market's going to blow up soon. Sure enough, as you can see, I, I, I strike the relationship between Deloitte and Singular University. That's, that's why Deloitte is here. But I just resigned from Deloitte as a partner to be the CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation, which is a nonprofit. So Peter DeMandis is the executive chairman. I took his role as CEO. And so my focus was, and this was a personal choice, was I had so much anxiety around the type of technology that's happening 
and how disruptive it's going to be. And I see businesses, big businesses, now starting to use this technology. And I thought, you know what else we can do with this technology? We can do save the world type stuff with this technology, legitimately. The fact that we have all these entrepreneurs around the world walking around with supercomputers in their pockets that only big business or big government had just a decade or so ago means the world's different. And as these entrepreneurs start to get connected from 3 billion people online today to 7 to 8 billion people connected in the next 10 years via the internet, the world will be different. And what that's going to equate to is a lot of problem solvers, legitimately. And the world's in no shortage of problems right now. So what XPRIZE does is it gives me the tools to do that because it's essentially the gamification of innovation. It says, here's a competition, so we dress it up like a competition, but it's actually a pretty complex instrument that we put out into the crowd and say, we don't care about your resume, your background, your age, your bio. If you can solve this, you win. And when you did that 10 years ago, you maybe get a few dozen teams that compete. You do that today, you get thousands of experiments. And you need one needle in the haystack to come to you to solve a grand challenge. So I think legitimately, I think a good way to solve some grand challenges we have, climate change, or uh, I was just in DC this morning for the Barbara Bush Adult Literacy we're doing with Barbara Bush Foundation, um, the Google Lunar X Prize, which is a $30 million prize to someone puts a robot on the moon, and that will happen probably next year. We just had an event in DC last night as well, where we had two of the teams that have already got launch contracts with SpaceX. So you put it out to the crowd and just get people out of the woodwork from a variety of perspectives that will solve something. And so that's, that's the models, that's what XPRIZE does. So when you, when you solve a problem, how do you, how do you think about solving it? Um, well, it depends, on, it depends on what technique you're going to use. The role I'm in now at XPRIZE is I, I think about solving it with all the minds in the world, which is a pretty good way, good way to solve things because there's one truth, which is the smartest people in the world don't work for you. They don't work in your company. Those brains that you have in your company are not the smartest brains on the planet. And, and no one can say they are because it's obnoxious to think that you have a monopoly on the smartest people. They're somewhere out there in the 7 billion people plus on the planet. So first thing is I'm a big believer that problems are going to be solved by diversity and perspectives, not by someone based on their resume. And I want to take those handcuffs off and let anyone try to solve something. And also I want to get a lot more brains and minds focused on it. So the way I try to solve problems now is let's define it. Let's not define a solution. Let's define what the problem is. Let the crowd be creative on the solution. Don't even lead the witness. Just define the, the problem, the market failure. Put that out to the crowd and say, if anyone can solve for this market failure, you win. I don't care what you use. Some of you might use AI to do it. Some of you might use robotics. Some of you might use quantum computing. Some of you might use nanotech, virtual reality. It doesn't matter. Your toolboxes of all these exponentials, use what you want. If you can solve it, you win. And so if you look at the model, it's an incentive competition model. It uses prize theory, it uses gamification of innovation, and ultimately it uses crowdsourcing. And I think that's a great way to solve problems. As a matter of fact, there's some problems that I don't think you can solve unless you put it in this model. Cybersecurity is a good example. I was working with Deloitte. When I was previously at Deloitte, with XPRIZE, I was leading the, the cybersecurity XPRIZE design. And we met with people all over the world who were experts in it. And that's, that is something that I don't think, I don't think you're going to move the needle in the cybersecurity unless you create a competition and raise it to a level of professional sport and get all the amateurs out of the business. You know, you can't play anymore because we brought it up to a, a level where you can't play because now it's a professional sport. And all the professionals, they're doing it legitimate. There's hackers and defenders, but now they're getting paid out in the open, they're hacking out in the open, and we're monitoring it because we made it a competition. So I, I don't, I, in a model like that, you ameliorate a rotation of solution to problem to solution to problem, you ameliorate it immediately. You don't have to wait 20 years for someone to hack, someone to defend, someone to hack, someone to defend. That process playing out 
it takes years to, to unfold. There's no learning there. Learning stretches out over years. In this model, you get rapid experimentation. Hacker, defender, hacker, you, you control pilot around it to where you can get fail, learn, fail, learn, hack. You, you can do that process dozens and dozens of times in a minute, you know, in a very short period of time because you put it into a gamified incentive competition model. So you get four years, ten years of learning in a few months because you put it into this new model. And so that's how I look at problem solving is through my lens now at XPRIZE, but quite frankly, I'm a strong believer of that, that way to solve problems. I think the crowd should be problem solving problems, again, because the smartest people in the world don't work for you. You don't want to put yourself in a smartness contest with everybody else in the world because you'll lose. And I think people, young people, I've got two kids, they want to spend their nights and weekends, their excess capacity. They want to spend that doing save the world stuff. And there's been no better time in history that as a young person, anyone, but if you want to actually do some real impact work, there's things you can do. You might go down to a soup kitchen and do that. You might go, uh, you know, feed the hungry. What, well, if you're real intellectual and you've got hard skills, why don't you put that time into competing in one of the numerous types of models out there, including XPRIZE, and spend your nights and weekends giving back by trying to win a competition that not only gives you a good reward, but also if you can solve it, it's going to create a big difference in the world. So as you continue to build out this platform, how do you think about the values and principles that underpin this platform? Um, well, I think when you talk about values and principles, I mean, one of the things that XPRIZE is very focused on is our what we call our massive transformative purpose. You heard Salim Ismail talk about this in his book, Exponential Organizations. And Peter Diamandis, our executive chairman, talks about this as well. XPRIZE is MTP, Massive Transformative Purpose, why we're doing what we do, our principles, our values, is that in the next 20 years, we're going to see significant disruption like we're talking about at this conference. You know, you come to a conference like this, you get your hair blown back, right? It's kind of a wow factor. You go home and it sinks in. It's like, um, yeah, technology is moving so fast that more than any other time in history, the next 20 years will be different, significantly, significantly different because it's on an exponential pace. Um, we shouldn't expect what we saw in the last 30 years to happen in the next 30 years. If you learn anything here, what happened in the next 30 years is going to happen in the next 18 months. And then what happened in that 30 years plus the 30 year before will happen in the next, um, you know, a doubling, the next 20, uh, 26 months, right? Or thir sorry, 36 months. It's doubling. It's, a, it's a, a, a compound effect. So there will be significant disruption. There'll be technological unemployment. There'll be... Um, inequalities that exist that don't exist today. There's income inequality today that exists. What about what the world faces when there's age in it? There's, there's age life expectancy inequality. You know, the technology here with biotech and genome sequencing and so forth. That's a new type of inequality we've never had to experience. Poor people today, I think the latest stat I saw is like in poor nations, the average age I think is like 65. The average age for wealthier nations is 75 for a male. So there's already a 10-year difference. It's not, it's not raising a lot of optics. And that gets to be 20 years, 30 years, 50, 60, 80 years in difference, which, is le which could legitimately, is in the cards to be happening in the next 20 years. Then, not only do you have income inequality, but you have other types of inequality of people looking at it saying, well, that doesn't, that's different. XPRIZE's goal is to make it abundant. It's to build this bridge to abundance. Peter Diamandis wrote the book Abundance. Our mission of XPRIZE is to build this bridge to abundance. Um, to where the democratization of technology happens quicker so everyone can take advantage of it and, and reach abundance. And that's important. That's important because if people don't feel like it's, their lives will get better through this advancement 
and everyone's not advancing through this advancement of technology, then you, it creates despair, it creates hopelessness. And this is not by any means, this is not distributing wealth or anything like that. This is, this is distributing technology and solutions so everyone can benefit from it. And so XPRIZE, our models, when we put something out there to the crowd, a lot of things we do, like the adult, the Global Learning XPRIZE right now, which we have a lot of people on the board that put money into that, including Elon Musk. The notion here is the intellectual property goes out to the crowd. So if we can crack the code and figure out a way to create learning through artificial intelligence that fits on a tablet, if someone can crack the code through this XPRIZE, then that solution goes democratized, so now you can teach people that would never have a teacher. We're testing that in Tanzania with over 4,000 illiterate children. We're going to bring the finalist teams to the eastern block of Africa, to Tanzania, and we're going to actually have these cohorts that the winning teams will have access to. Google's donated the tablets, and then we're going to put the your winning your, your software that you developed to be a competitor in this is going to go on that tablet. XPRIZE is going to give that remote village solar power and that tablet, and then we're going to see over 18 months if these kids can teach themselves using your software. We have a variety of teams competing. That democratizes that technology. If it works, we've got solutions, and then it gets distributed to people. You know, everyone's benefiting from AI in that example. And by the way, the model is going to work because at the worst case scenario, you're going to have 10, there's going to be 10 finalist teams. You're going to have 10 teams with apps written, written in Swahili. There's no market for that. No, one's going to, no entrepreneur is going to build that app. This will do that, and this will educate a lot of people. So um, those are, you know, that's kind of the values behind the mission, what we worked on. As a young individual, what kind of habits or routines or rituals can you build that support that abundance mindset? As a young individual, what type of habits can support that abundance mindset? Um, so I think the first thing is, and I teach a class in Los Angeles in South Central Los Angeles. It's called the Nava College Prep. It's, it's a, a segment outside of uh, Jefferson High School. It's a, a cohort of students that moved into this new class, this new program. It's with the Los Angeles Unified School District. And what I'm teaching these kids to do is to be an exponential entrepreneur. That when you're in school, they're literally, the, you know the notion knowledge is power? You have a lot of teachers, a lot of people telling you that. There's no better time where that's not just lip service. That's not just some adult trying to tell you that. Knowledge right now is extremely powerful. Now, unfortunately, what most of the schools are teaching are not the knowledge that's powerful. So the notion that knowledge is power, um, I was told that when I was a kid, and to some extent it was true, but it was, it, now it really means something, okay? And there's the basic block and tackles that were being taught in the school that also help form your brain. They're important, reading, writing, arithmetic. But there's a new form of education that is, how do you be an exponential entrepreneur? How do you take the supercomputing in your pocket that brings down barriers to entry for you? So you don't have to work for a large organization. You don't have to go to a bank and show them your title, show them your credit score to get a loan, right? If you want to be an entrepreneur, that's the first thing you think of. Some kids say, well, I'm never going to get a loan. I don't have a good credit score. I don't even know what that means and so, you know, from some underserved communities. What I try to teach kids is you can ignore all that. All the power you need is now in your head and in your phone. And you can create a business and launch a business that way. And you don't have to go out if you're nervous about going out and hiring people or you don't think people work for you. You're going to crowdsource people. You're not going to hire people and interview people. That's not how it works anymore. You're not going to go to a bank and get a loan or get financing from a VC. No, you're going to crowdfund your, your funding. Um, you're going to use new tools beyond reading, writing, and arithmetic. You're going to use artificial intelligence and deep learning. You're going to use biotechnology. 
well, biotechnology. How can I use biotechnology? I'd have to have access to a big pharmaceutical firm or something. No, you can use CRISPR, Cas9, which is uh, works like Microsoft Word that helps you edit genes. And, and, and you know, right? There's software. It's being democratized. So I try to educate kids. Like all the tools are there, and this is the dot matrix version. This is not where it stop, stops. This is where it's starting. So you can just assume it's going to get a lot better. So they're all there. So you have hope. Now you have the choice. Use this knowledge to to, to completely nail your college interview because you're going to say things that other people aren't saying. Or if you don't want to co go to college, use this knowledge to start your own business. Maybe you want. Maybe you're not going to be a billion dollar exit. But there's things you can do. And if you're not the most analytical thinker and you're more of a creative thinker, no problem. There's startups like Tongle and others that are part of the creative community. Hit Record, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, what he's producing with the, the, the television show he produces which with creatives. There's the maker movement. You know, go 3D print stuff and, and make stuff and sell it. Set up a shop online. You can do this in a few weeks. Well. I don't have access to 3D printers. Well, actually, you do. There's a makerspace somewhere. There's a tech shop or makerspace somewhere in your neighborhood where you can go and instead of paying $100 to get access to gym equipment for the month, you can pay $100 and get access to laser saws and 3D printers and um, Arduinos and other tech that lets you build stuff, the whole maker movement, the whole makerspace. There's no excuses. And most of the kids aren't looking for excuses. They're just looking for some hope that there's really the tools are there. So it's very, they're very, a lot of kids, especially in underserved communities, are very resistant to that notion because they think I'm coming in and preaching them something that's just not legitimate. It took a while for me to educate the kids where they realized, holy cow, you're right. But what do you think, like, where was, how did you realize that moment when they were like, wow, this is, like, I really, really realized that? Who, the kids or me? Yeah, the kids. They re well, because a couple things I do. One is I show them peers. I show them 19 and 20-year-olds that are doing it and say, doesn't matter they live in a zip, different zip code. Look at how they did it. They had a brain and they had a computer in their hand and they did it. So don't think there was some competitive advantage there. I mean, sure, there are instances where that's the case, but no, you don't. That's not, the, that's not the situation anymore. And then, you know, some of them aren't even aware of some of these new terms. Like when you go to them and I say, how many of you, are, you, know, how many of you think that to, to run a business you've got to go get money from a bank to get a loan to run your business. You know, they're all in this linear mindset. They just, well, yeah, that's what I've always been told. That's, and why would you, and a bank would never give me a loan, you know, because I don't have the right credit score or whatever. When you dispel that notion, well, that's not how it works. It's called crowdfunding. Well, what's that? Well, let me explain how it works. And then you show them. Then you bring them on Kickstarter and show them some examples. The light bulb goes off. They're like, hmm, you're right. I can get financing, and I understand that that's going to be important, and I don't have to you know, I actually don't even have to go ask for it. I just literally put an idea, and I'm good with ideas. And then my employees, I don't have to hire my employees. I can crowdsource, and I get a few buddies from school, and he and she and we, we all get together, and we, this guy knows how to code, and this guy is a little bit more of a business thinker, and this guy is, understands social impact, and we create something out of it. Yeah. yeah. When you had a moment in your life when you were stuck in the way you were thinking, how did you, like, move your thinking forward? And move your life forward, ultimately. Yeah, well, so I think that if you're extremely successful right now and you're really on top of everything that's going on with this innovation, and I feel like to some extent I was in that position. You know, I was a partner in one of the largest management consulting firms, leading the innovation practice, creating this community with Singular University, with XPRIDE, et cetera. Great job, great role, and I, I, I really enjoyed it, right? It gets to a point where you have to figure out what is your level of responsibility? If you're really that good at what you're doing, and that goodness or that what you're doing is actually benefiting parts of the economy that you think are going to do fine without you, 
but everybody's neglecting these other parts of the economy that probably need your help. I think you have to have a responsibility to go use what's in your brain to go help and use that, you know, really the secret sauce. I mean, if you hold the keys to something and you, you're kind of ahead of the curve on something, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, there's a lot more people around here that are way ahead of the curve than me, but I definitely have been ahead of the curve in terms of thinking about these exponentials and how they can be used, right? I was talking about 3D printing well before people knew what it was, for example, right? So if you're part of that community and that crowd, it doesn't mean you're smarter than other people, it just means you had a little more access, a little more information, a little more insight. My point is, if you get to the point where it's like, well, now everyone wants to use this information to capitalize on it. And you can do that. You can take it to the banking industry like they're doing here this weekend and, and, and help banks survive with the blockchain, right? Or you can take it to the pharmaceutical industries and start talking about how to use CRISPR and biotechnology and gene sequencing. Or you can take it to consumer product. I mean, there's a lot you can do and you can have a great career with that. Probably make a lot of money doing that. At some point you realize, you know what, there's some big problems out there that could also use this intellectual property. And there's probably not enough people focused on that. And I consider it, I mean, I told my family this, like I consider, I have two kids, I said, I consider it like, look, you're not, I'm, I'm not, if you're not, you're out of the military age, you're not going to go in the military, but other families are putting their kids in the military. I think my responsibility is I should go resign from this, this corporate job and go take a job at this nonprofit trying to, trying to use this stuff, stuff to do something important. And I think, I think people have to get a little bit of that mindset. I think they have to focus like that. Um, I hope they do. One, I found out it's a lot more, it's, it's, I, had, I had a lot of fun in my old job. I have a lot more fun with my current mission. There's a big difference between a job and a mission. Hmm. And um, you know, I would emphasize to people, you do, there is a point in time right now where the world's biggest business problems, the, sorry, the world's biggest grand challenges are also the world's biggest business problems. So you can have your cake and eat it too if you want to, right? And I think we need more of that. I mean, there's definitely not a shortage of, of problems happening in the world. Uh, and the good news is there's a lot of problem solvers out there. The fact that we're walking around with super tech in our pocket means we're all problem solvers like we've never been before. So the question is, how can you stir up that crowd? That's what XPRIZE tries to do. How would you define that mindset that was responsible for your success and how someone who doesn't grow up um, in sort of this environment of te super technology and in a developed country where all the infrastructure is uh, like it is, you know, here where we are in New York, but someone who grows up with this who's maybe, you know, unconnected to the internet yet or unconnected to, a, doesn't have a bank and is sort of like now discovering this new world. Yeah, I mean, like, how, well, you know, one thing is, you know, as a civil right or as a human right, everyone should have access to the internet and there's a lot of projects underway to do that. You got internet.org with Facebook and the Facebook drone. You got Astro Teller at Google X, now called X, who's working on the Google Loon project. They've already put the country of Sri Lanka has free Wi-Fi, has Wi-Fi now. Elon Musk and Richard Branson and others are all working on things to give the world free Wi-Fi. That's very important. Because once you have the Wi-Fi and you have access to information, especially once the Internet of Communication turns into the Internet of Trust with the blockchain technology, that just is game changer. So ideally, you know, yeah, granted there are certain areas that don't have access to the Internet, but there's 3 billion people that do today. And it should go to 7 to 8 billion people within the next decade. Definitely 3 billion more people from today will be online within the next just five, five years. That's important. Once we get to that point, not only is the world going to be a different place when you got everybody connected in the world. I mean, once again, we only have 3 billion people connected today. We're going to go to the whole planet, probably for free at some point, right? So once you have that world, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there are a lot of um, barriers at that point. You know, you get access to the world's information, right. collaborate with people all over the world. Um, you, can, you, you can then change your life with that. Um, you know, the, the Google Lunar, the, sorry, the Google Global Learning X Prize, sorry, 
the Global Learning X Prize that we're doing right now, that I mentioned before, is starting to get make literate kids, though. You know, you got to be able to do your basics, read and write, and educate yourself. But once you give them those tools, that's why I love that prize so much. Once you give them those tools, now they know how to get on the internet and read stuff. So having the fundamentals of reading, being able to know how to read and write, going from illiterate to literate, is important. We're doing another Barbara Bush Foundation, Adult Literacy Foundation. We're doing an X Prize with that foundation and the Dollar General Literacy Foundation. I was just there this morning in D.C. It's Barbara Bush's, Mrs. Barbara Bush's 91st birthday. And I was at her event this morning, and we were talking about the Adult Literacy X Prize, which is to get adults that education. Once again, if you can't read or write, that, that is the barrier to then getting access to world information. There's no better time to be focused on getting people to read or write, you know, to, to get literacy. You know, then there's the question of once they get literacy, how do they function in the world? And just by giving them access to the Internet is, is not going to do it all. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of garbage there, too, so you need some filtering mechanisms. But it's a definitely a, a big first step. What do you think makes a great entrepreneur? Um, I think a great entrepreneur is an exponential entrepreneur, um, which means they think about um, the notion of, uh, you know, all the cliches, but they're true. You know, how do you fail fast, fail cheap, and fail forward? You know, how do you rapid experimentation? Um, you know, how do you harness the passion of yourself and others to do something miraculous? You know, um, and I think it's taking risks. You know, there's so much going on that you, if, if you're not an entrepreneur that's taking risk and seeing yourself fail, literally trying to incentivize yourself to break stuff, to fail, you can probably assume that someone's going to compete you, out-compete you in the market because you haven't stretched it enough. And once you stretch it to where it breaks, you kind of know, okay, now we broke it, which means if we keep going and learn from that breakage and figure out how to do it again but not make it break, if you go through five or six iterations of that versus just one, you probably can assume, like, yeah, nobody's going to figure this out. I mean, shoot, we just had to go through a treasure hunt just to get this done, right? Five or six fails, like... We got lucky almost to figure this out at this point. Well, it's not luck. It's because you failed fast, you failed cheap, you failed forward. And ultimately, that, uh, that, that model works. What's the most important question you're working on right now? Um, the most important question I'm working on, uh, well, you know, XPRIZE is establishing an XPRIZE Institute to answer those questions. And what we're going to do with the XPRIZE Institute is we're going to have our XPRIZE roadmaps um, as, part of the, uh, uh, as part of the institute. So pick a domain like space and exploration, or a domain like health and nutrition, health and wellness, or a domain like education and learning, um, or safety and security. The XPRIZE Institute has these domains. And when you come to the XPRIZE Institute, what we do is we convene groups like academics, entrepreneurs, other nonprofits, big business and industry, um, bring them all together and we ask them a question. What are all of yours massive transformative purpose? What are you all trying to do in the area of space and exploration? You get some hands raised and essentially you synthesize it to the point where they're like, our massive transformative purpose is interplanet species and extending the human race. That is our massive transformative purpose. Okay, well when do you think you're going to get there? Elon, what do you think with SpaceX? So-and-so, MIT, Media Lab, what do you, you know, everybody weigh in. When are you going to get there? 2050, best guess. 2050. Okay. Climate change is catching up on us. Can we wait till 2050? <laughs> no, we got to do that sooner. So here's the proposition. 
what's the breakthrough innovation you need to accelerate your timelines? Give it to XPRIZE, and we're going to put it out to the crowd and see if we can solve it. And let's line up those dominoes. And so when you ask me what are the biggest, what's the biggest uh, problems we're working on, or the biggest, it's XPRIZE is trying to put our finger on what those are. Now, fortunately, we have a great board of trustees. We have Larry Page on the board of trustees. We have Elon Musk. We have Ariana Huffington. We have Craig Venter, Dean Kamen, Ratan Tata, um, Peter Diamandis, of course, Ray Kurzweil, Craig Venter. I mean, we have these game changers on the board of trustees. That ecosystem is very important. It's not just name dropping. It's actually legitimately important because what it does is all of these people are skating to where the puck is going. They all have that mindset. They have knowledge that others aren't aware of yet because they're thinking so much out exponentially. And so you need that formula, you need that expertise, you need that, that input because an X prize is meant to be audacious, almost impossible. So it might sound like impossible to the layman, but the reality is the experts behind this that are kind of formulating these roadmaps are realizing, no, that's feasible, but it's because it's going to catch the, the exponential curve on the blockchain, or it's going to catch the exponential curve on artificial intelligence, or it's going to catch, like we're playing to where the puck is going on that, and that's why it's good to put out there and sometimes that's the only way you're going to solve stuff like that. Thank you for listening and see you next time.